We are going to be continuing right along in the book of Revelation today. We are just getting into chapter 7, and we are going to attempt to make it all the way through chapter 7 today. That is the plan, Lord willing. It's not too long of a chapter. You can also, while you're flipping through your Bible, if you can put a finger in Matthew chapter 24, and put a finger in 1 Thessalonians. I know that's a lot of fingers. If you don't want to put them in all the places, don't worry. You don't have to, but I would encourage you to at least make a note of those passages uh, that we're going to study. Um, you can look at them later on uh, tonight or this week if you get a chance. Uh, as always with God's Word, uh, we want to make sure that we look at it in the context that it's in, but we also want to compare it to the rest of God's Word because sometimes uh, the Bible may say one thing and you're not sure, but you can always check it with the rest of God's Word, and when you compare it with everything else that God's Word says, you can usually kind of figure out what it means. And so uh, we're going to do that as we've been doing the last couple weeks. Uh, we're going to continue that today. But we are in Revelation chapter 7. We just went through chapter 6, which was uh, the six seals that were being broken on this scroll that was being held in the right hand of God, that Jesus, who was the only one who was worthy, came and began to remove these seals. As each of these seals were removed, they were uh, symbolic of something that was going to happen in the end times. We uh, saw these four horsemen in these first four seals that symbolized these events that were going to take place. Uh, it was going to be what I believe in the first seal being opened is the Antichrist coming to the earth. Uh, then we're going to see wars. We're going to hear rumors of wars. We're going to have famine. We're going to have pestilence. We're going to have uh, persecution uh, among the Christians. We see that uh, clearly. It's a very uh, close uh, comparison between uh, Revelation chapter six and, 6 and Matthew 24. We see those first four seals. I believe those are just uh, uh, God's judgment on us as a people. That is, uh, God leaves us to our own devices. We see that in our world today. People want God out of everything. They don't want to have anything to do with God. They don't worship God. They don't serve God. And as a result of that, uh, sin runs rampant. We see that in our world today, and I think it's going to get even uh, much greater as the end times come. I think these things that are being talked about in the first four seals are God's judgment on us, and that is these are just the consequences of pushing God out and wanting things our way. Those things are going to be the consequences and the judgment of us getting God out of the picture. We then saw a shift last week in the fifth seal. We saw those who had been martyred uh, for Christ's sake, those who would not deny the Lord, those who continue to do God's work in these hard times, and their life was taken. We see that happening in our world today. Again, I think it's going to be much worse as time progresses and we draw near to the end whenever that day may be. I believe we're going to see that get worse and worse. These, when the fifth seal were opened, were crying out saying, God, when are you going to avenge us? When are you going to take care? When are you going to bring justice to those who are doing wrong to us? Then we get to the sixth seal, and we see all these things start happening. We see that the sun is darkened. We see uh, all these earthquakes and things begin to take place, and it says that the people of that day knew that the day of the Lord had arrived. They were crying for the mountains to fall on top of them so they wouldn't have to stand before the Lord because they knew that the day of God's wrath had arrived. We see throughout the Old Testament many mentions of the day of the Lord, the great day of the Lord, of the day of the Lord's wrath. That day has come as where we left off last week at the end of chapter 6. God's wrath had come and the people had noticed. 
It didn't matter what they had. It didn't matter who they were. No, no matter how rich, no matter how powerful, no matter where they lived, whether they were a king or whether they were a pauper, it didn't matter. When that day comes, people will know that it's going to get serious. But then we have the opening of the seventh seal today. We were led from judgment to what was about to be the start of God's wrath, I believe. But before that wrath is poured out onto this world, we open the seventh seal. And it takes a shift from where the sixth seal was. Here we have the ensuing wrath, and now we have a vision of what's going to take place. So we're going to read through all of chapter 7, and then we will break it down. We may be here for a while today, so... If you got something else on your mind, if you're in a hurry, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit will just let us listen, and uh, we want to cover it all. Of course, we may be here a short time. God may tell me to stop early, but that's okay. Whatever He says, that's what we're going to do. We're here today to read God's Word, and we got a lot to cover, and we want to make sure we cover it. So we're going to pray, and then we'll dig into chapter 7. God, I thank You for these words that You've given us today. I thank You for the hope that's in these words that we're about to read. God, I thank You that that we are going to be delivered from your wrath, dear Lord, that we are uh, spared by what Jesus Christ did on the cross when we accept him. So I pray that you would speak to me today, God, that you would uh, lay down my pride, dear Lord. It's not about how good or how funny or whatever I can say, dear Lord. So I pray that you would take any of those thoughts from me, that I'm not here talking for me today, God, that I'm here preaching for you. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that your Holy Spirit would do the work, that you would recall to my mind the scriptures and the, and the things that I need to say today, dear Lord, that you want your people to hear, God, so I can be a true and faithful servant to you. I pray that you would bless these that are hearing your word today, God, that your Holy Spirit would tug on their heart, that you would take away the thoughts of the world, God. There's a lot of things the devil always vies for our attention. He causes our brains to wander. He gets us sidetracked. But God, I pray that today... In these next few minutes that you would help our minds to focus on you dear Lord that we would seek you and that we would come out of here with you getting the glory dear Lord in Jesus name I pray it amen Revelation chapter 7 verse 1 after this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth restraining the four winds of the earth so that no wind could blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel who had the seal of the living God rise up from the east. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were empowered to harm the earth and the sea. Do not harm the earth or the sea are the trees until we seal the slaves of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the Israelites, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Nephtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Benjamin. After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language which no one could number, 
standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were robed in white with palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell face down before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, Who are these people robed in white and where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. Then he told me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in a sanctuary. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Well, what a glorious scene that's going to be. What a glorious day that's going to be when the children of God are before the throne and there are no more bad things going on. I don't know about you guys, but I look forward to that day because I'm tired of bad news. I get tired of bad news. Anyway, we'll get to that. So here we have in chapter 7, we have a break. The wrath is going to come soon. There is an ensuing wrath that people realize that that day has come. And what we see are four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Now, we all know the earth is round, that there's not a literal four corners, but uh, there are four angels who are over uh, certain parts of the earth in whatever shape and format that looks like. I guess you could split the earth even round into four quadrants and perhaps they each cover a fourth. But for whatever reason, these angels, ever how uh, they are, they are around these four corners of the earth and they are holding the four winds of the earth. Now, I believe that that talks about wrath to come. We, all, uh, we often see a wind in the Old Testament talked about uh, as wrath. We see that in Psalm chapter 1. If you want to turn there, you can. If, you, if not, just listen. Psalm chapter 1, it is a short psalm, and I'll read the whole thing just so we can understand fully exactly what it means. It's only a few verses. Psalm chapter 1. And even then it talks about um, the wind and the wicked being blown away in that wind. Psalm chapter 1 says, How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever he does prosper. So here we have a good definition, I believe, of the Christian. The Christian is the one who is happy. The Christian who is, is the one who is planted in the Lord, planted in God's Word, who is obedient to do what God says. For the Christian who seeks the Lord, who is obedient to Him, who serves Him, who listens to what He has to say, we are planted firmly. We will not be easily uprooted by the things that will come in our life and the wrath of God. We will be spared from that because we are in God. We are not in the world. We are not living in sin and the wickedness and things uh, like that. Here we have uh, the exact opposite for the wicked, uh, starting in verse 4. The wicked are not like this, 
Instead, they are chaff. Excuse me. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. The chaff, that is the bad stuff. That's the stuff that's not important, that's not needed. you got the wheat and the chaff, and the chaff is separated, and the chaff is blown away by the wind. Now, as subtle as that may be, I think that gives us a little bit of a better understanding of what these winds that are talking about in the book of Revelation. I believe that is exactly what uh, John is talking about in this revelation. That when the day comes that there is going to be a separating from those who are God's children, those who are happy, those who delight in Him, those who have seeked Him out, those who have accepted Jesus Christ and their Lord and Savior, and they have been covered by the blood, we're the good stuff, we're the wheat. But there is also the chaff. There are those who have rejected God. And there are these winds of wrath that are about to blow on this earth. And that is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And the chaff will be blowed away. But praise the Lord, we're going to see in His Word, I believe that we as Christians, the wheat, the good who have been covered by the blood, are going to be spared. We're not going to be separated by the wind. And so these angels, uh, they, they stood at the four corners of the earth and they were restraining the four winds of the earth so that no wind could blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And then I saw another angel who had the seal of the living God rise up from the east. So here we see another angel come up and he has the seal of God and he tells these first four angels not to do anything, not to harm anything on the earth until this angel seals those of God. And then we see, if we turn a little further, we see uh, the group that is being sealed on their foreheads. And he says in verse 6, excuse me, verse 4, And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, from every tribe of the Israelites. Now, this is, this, is, this is tough. We could talk for a long time on this, and we won't talk for too long. But there is a lot of speculation over who in the world these 144,000 are. Now, there are some, some groups that I would consider a cult that, that preach certain things about the 144,000 that I do not believe are biblical in any way, shape, or form. There are a couple of good views that I think could be scripturally and biblically backed up as to who these people are. The obvious choice is that this is the nation of Israel. These are God's chosen people. Israel has been God's chosen people from the get-go. God told them he was going to take care of them. Now, there were some times that they didn't listen, that they, were, uh, that they were, had to go through hard times, that God punished them. But ultimately, they are, they are God's people. Now, why God chose Israel is beyond me. I don't have a clue. The Bible doesn't tell us that I know of. Maybe it does, and I just don't know it. The Bible doesn't tell us why God picked Israel. He just did. He picked them, and he said, Look, you are going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. And here we have listed the 12 tribes of Israel. But some of you may have noticed that this 12 tribes of Israel is different from the 12 tribes of Israel that we see in the Old Testament. There are a couple that are left out, one of which is Dan. I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. I've drawn a blank. But there are two that are missing here, one of which is Dan. Dan was one who committed idolatry against the Lord. It is believed that because of that, because they turned to other gods, that they are not listed in this list, but those who were faithful to God are. So here we have this number, 144,000. Some groups would say, that's how many people are getting to heaven. Well, that's just nonsense. 
That is not biblical. We see that in the next few verses that there is a multitude from every tribe and nation that is too large to count. So to say that there are only 144,000 that are getting to heaven is foolishness. And if that was true, I wouldn't be preaching to y'all today because I wouldn't want you to be there. I wouldn't want you to take my spot. That's not true. There's no limit as to how many people can make it in the presence of the Lord. All of those who call on the name of Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness will make it. I believe that 100%. I believe God's Word tells us that. But here are 144,000 that clearly says they are Israelites. So if we're reading this uh, verse literally, then these are the people of Israel. These are the people of Israel that God has redeemed or will redeem when this time comes. Now look, there are plenty of Jewish people today, those people of God's chosen people, who do not believe in God. There are many Messianic Jews that do believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe in the end time that there will be many Jews who will be redeemed, who will realize that Jesus is the Messiah, and they will be redeemed. But it's not so much just to be born a Jew that is good enough. After all, Paul tells us in Romans that it's a, uh, you're a Jew at heart, not just a Jew from birth, not just a Jew outwardly, but a Jew inwardly. So even though we at Enterprise Baptist Church, us old pesky Gentiles, you know, the ones the Jews didn't like, even though we weren't born Jews, we are still accepted by God by the blood of Jesus Christ because of our faith. So we are a Jew inwardly even though we aren't a Jew outwardly. Some would say that this 144,000 talks about not just the nation of Israel but also the church as a whole. I think there are some texts, there is some reason to believe that this group could represent the church as a whole. And that is you and me. That's not enterprise, but the church, that is the bride of Christ, all people who are Christians. That this number, 144,000, is simply symbolic. Now, it could be literal. It could be that there are going to be 144,000 Israelites who are sealed who are spared, who are taken to heaven at this time. It could be that there are literally 144,000 of them, 12,000 from each tribe. And you say, well, they're not all together. They're all spread out. God knows. Trust me, God knows. Even though these Jews have been spread as far as the east is to the west, he knows who's of which tribe. And so it could be that there are 12,000 literal tribes. But I believe... With Revelation being a book of, of, of so much symbolism, I believe that it is a symbolic number. I don't believe that it's a literal 144,000, although it may be. It may be. I believe that it is symbolic. We see the number 12 in Scripture as completeness, as wholeness. We see not only are there 12 tribes, but there are 12,000s from each tribe. That is a complete wholeness, a group. I think that lends to the fact that these verses could be talking about the church as the whole. Again, let us not forget that we are not Jews by birth. We are not Jews outwardly, but we are Jews inwardly. So I think there is some evidence that this could be the church. Whether this group here that is being sealed first off is the church or the Israelites, I believe the next verses show us that whether we are in the first group, we are definitely in the second group. Now, you could argue that there are two distinct groups because the first one was clearly numbered, and in the second group here it says that the number is too vast to number. So either way, whether it is all one group that is talked about here, the Israelites and the church is one, or whether it's the Jewish people first, the first fruits, and then the church second, all of these groups are here and they are being brought to heaven at this time in the book of Revelation. 
We read on a little further after this, I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, and people in language. Now that's not just Israelite people. That's not just the Jews. That's everybody. That's from every nation. That's the nation of the United States of America. That's China. That's whoever else, whatever other nation has a child of God that have accepted Jesus Christ. There was a great multitude of people in heaven. Where in the world did all these people come from? Now, uh, John had been seeing all these visions of things that was going to take place. Uh, we already saw one group earlier as the seals were, were, were cracked open in the fifth seal of those who were martyred, who gave their life for the Lord. They were already in heaven. But this appears to be a completely different group. John uh, writes as though this is a completely different group. These are a whole new group. And one of the elders in heaven says, where did these come from? And John said, well, surely you know. And the elder said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Now let's turn back to Matthew chapter 24. If you got a finger there, good. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse... Let me get my Bible here where I can see good enough. Verse 30. Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Now we've been kind of going back and forth between Matthew 24 and Revelation chapter 6 to what I believe lines up exactly... Uh, you know, essentially word for word with what's taking place. I believe that Jesus was talking about the same events here in 24 as he was in Revelation chapter 6. We had talked about all the things that come. Jesus said the abomination that causes desolation. Uh, we, we know that to be the Antichrist, the book of Daniel chapter 9. You can go back and read about those times. In the middle of this tribulation, this Antichrist will uh, turn in a, in a sense. He was a good guy, going to promote peace. He's going to turn. He's going to turn, trying to make the people turn. It's going to be really bad times. Jesus says there's going to be great tribulation like there's never been before. And he said if it were not for the elect, that, that, that nobody would make it. But he says in Matthew chapter 24, because of the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then it goes on to say immediately after, or excuse me, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the celestial powers will be shaken. All right, that's where we left off last week. We saw those things happening when the sixth seal was broken. We see these things happening. These are the things that the people realize the day of the Lord has come and we in big trouble. That's what we saw happen in the sixth seal. Now we're in the seventh seal. Now we see a great multitude of people, both from the Israelite, from the nation of God, and from all the tribes and nations who have been brought to heaven. The elder says that this is the group who have come out of the great tribulation. That is the ones who are robed in white, those who are in Christ Jesus. Here we go in verse 30. This is Jesus talking here. Then the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Now here we have Jesus says after uh, the tribulation gets really bad, after those things happen in the sixth seal, then Jesus says the Son of Man, that is he himself, will appear in the sky and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet to gather his elect. Now we talked a little bit about the elect last week. 
there's much debate and discussion uh, of, of who the elect are. We definitely won't settle that today. It's been debated for a thousand years. Some would say that, that the elect are the, uh, are the people of Israel, that, that is, uh, those are the elect. It's the Israelite nation, the Jews, and that's who's being talked about here, that the church has already been taken away. I believe that the elect uh, is both the Israelite nation and the church. We see uh, the people of God talked about as the elect in the Old Testament. We see Christians talked about the elect in the New Testament. I believe that the elect are, are all those who are in Christ. I believe it is the nation of Israel. I believe it is the church. And I believe it is at this time, as Jesus points out, right before the wrath of God is going to come, we see the angels come down and gather the elect with the, with the sound of a trumpet there. Now, what we're going to get to eventually in the book of Revelation is we're about to get to these seven trumpets that are going to take place, these seven trumpets uh, of wrath that are going to take place. We see that within the seventh seal. I know that's a lot to remember, the seventh seal, the seventh trumpet, then there are seven bowls. So we're going to try to take it as good as we can, but we're going to see these trumpets that are going to take place. We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that in the last day, when the last trump shall sound, we see that all these things line up very well. We see that the gathering of God's children are going to come when the trumpet sounds. We see that it, as soon as we finish this chapter 7 in Revelation, that there's about to be some trumps that are going to sound. And we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that that's when God's children are going to be taken up. I believe through God's word, I believe that this is the point in time that God's children will leave this earth. I believe that this is the time that we will be taken away from this earth. Now, we remember that in Scripture we saw a lot of bad things that were going to take place. From this point on, at the end of chapter 7 uh, onward, we will see God's wrath being poured out onto this earth. Those things that we saw so far, as bad as they may be, they will not compare to the wrath of the all-powerful and mighty God. Now, there are some that would say, we're going to have to be here through all that. There, now, there are some things in Scripture that would, that would in Revelation, that think, mm, maybe we will have to be there through all that. But I don't believe we will, and here is why. If you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, please. Turn with me to this. This is good stuff. We need to get this. Here is why I believe this is the exact moment that we as Christians will be taken from this old earth, and we will go to be in the presence of the Lord. I think that this group in Revelation chapter 7 is us. That is, those who are in Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now Paul talks a pretty good bit about the second coming uh, and the day of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians. This is, this is a pretty common theme. These are short books, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. You can go back and read these things for yourself if you get a chance. But here is Paul talking to the Thessalonian people. Now we're just going to start in verse 2 and we're going to read all the way through chapter 1. That's 10 little verses there. It'll be quick. We always thank God for all of you remembering you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen at this part now, number 4. Knowing your election... These are Christians. These are Christians that Paul is referring to as the elect. 
He says, Knowing your election, brothers, loved by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. In the Holy Spirit, and with much assurance, you know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecutions, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. We're getting there. Just hang in there. We're getting to where we need to be. As a result, you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve living and true, the living and true God. Now here's the good part, verse 10. Here's the part we want to get. We don't want to miss this. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. I believe that the wrath that Paul is talking about here is the wrath of God that is going to be poured out on the last day. I believe that the Bible clearly teaches that those who are in Christ will not experience that wrath. I do believe that as Christians we will experience some judgment, we will experience some hard times, but I do believe that as Christians we are spared from the wrath of God because I believe that the Bible teaches that when Jesus went to the cross and died for us, that he took God's wrath on our behalf so that when we come to him and are covered by his blood, we escape that wrath. I believe that's what Paul is talking about here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I believe that that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24 when he says, For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Those elect are those who have come to him. Those days are shortened for the elect because he sends his angels out to gather us so that we will not experience the wrath of God. Which is why in Revelation chapter 7 we see a pause after the sixth seal. And the opening of the seventh seal, before God's wrath comes, that the angel comes and seals those of God, and they are in heaven, and they are worshiping the Lord. And the elder says, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. These are the ones who I believe Jesus says the days were shortened for. And those who are like the chaff, that is, those who have been separated from the wheat, are going to experience God's wrath because they have rejected Him. Flip a little further. I hope you kept a finger in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses here. Kind of along these same lines. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now this is clearly talking about the end times. It's clearly talking about the day of the Lord. This is what Paul is talking about here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1. About the times and the seasons, brothers, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. 
Now look, we see similar language here, just exactly as to what we saw in Matthew chapter 24. Talking about peace, but there's going to be destruction. We see uh, the same illustration as labor pains, that there is bad times that are about to come. And Paul says, they will not escape. That's talking about those who have not accepted Jesus Christ, who have not turned their life over to him. Let's read a little further, verse 4. But you, brothers, that is Christians, but you, brothers, are not in the dark for this day to overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so then we must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. Listen at that. I think Paul is saying, look, be ready. There are going to be some hard times. The day of the Lord's not going to sneak up on you like it is the rest of us, and it shouldn't us as Christians because we have God's Word. But we do need to be serious. We need to be ready for whatever may come our way. For those who... Or excuse me, let's see, let's see, uh, verse 9. So we... So then we... Must not sleep like the rest, but we must stay awake and be serious. For those who sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, we must be serious, listen at this, and put the armor of faith and love on our chest and put on a helmet of the hope of salvation. So when those days comes, when it's getting bad, when the end is drawn near and there's destruction drawn near, we put on the helmet of salvation. Why? Because it is the salvation of Jesus Christ that will spare us from the wrath of God. For God did not, listen at this right here, same thing we just read a few verses earlier, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Again, I think we see another verse that points to the fact that we will not experience the wrath of God. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. I believe that is exactly what we are seeing taking place in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 7, where we're at, there is this seventh seal that is open, and during this time, it is when Jesus Christ will appear in the clouds, and he will send his angels to gather the elect who are both the nation of Israel and the church, and we will be gathered to heaven, and we will escape the wrath that is about to come. And it will be a good and glorious day. It will be a good and glorious day for those who are in Christ. Because that salvation that was talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that spares us from the wrath of God, that is the song of praise that has been a saying in heaven. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Now that's good stuff. That's good stuff. And the elder goes on to tell John, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. These are the ones who are dressed in white. These are the ones whose sin has been covered by the Lamb. 
The only way that we are made pure and dressed in white is to accept the blood of Jesus Christ, to accept that He is the Son of God who died on our behalf to take the wrath of God so that we would seek Him and be forgiven so that we can escape the wrath of God. We talked last week, God's wrath is coming, but praise the Lord, He sent His grace before He is going to send His wrath. Now look, I want to, uh, go ahead and read a little further. If you want to know what God's wrath is going to be, we're going to eventually get there. Go ahead and read a little further in your Bible. And I want you to read on a little further, and I want you to see what's going to happen when God's wrath is poured out onto the world. And then I want you to read the end of Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse uh, 16, and I want you to tell me which one of those things you want to experience. Because look, let me read to you the end of chapter 7 one more time. These are the ones who have been spared, who have been dressed in white, who come out of the tribulation. Verse 16. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Boy, that is a good day. That is a good day. I don't know about you guys, but there is a lot of stuff in this world that I don't like. I don't like getting up having a bad day just because somebody did something silly to me. I don't like it when my friends and family get sick. I don't like it to see wars. I don't like it to see my brothers and sisters in Christ being beheaded. I don't like any of these things. I don't like to not get to see my friends and loved ones who have gone on before me. I don't like that. And the good news is, is that when that day comes and the last trump sounds and Jesus gathers us from this earth and we go to heaven, we are there with the Lamb who was slain for us and we gather around the throne and we praise Him for the salvation that He gave us so that we don't experience God's wrath, but we experience God's grace. We don't experience good times. We experience all the good that He has to offer. We won't ever be hungry again. We won't cry again. I'm hungry right now. What a good day that'll be. We'll just be able to worship the Lord. We'll worship Him now. We're going to go eat. One day we're not going to have to go eat. We're just going to get to worship Him day and night and day and night and day and night. And what a glorious day that will be. Now I want you guys to experience that day. I don't know when it's going to come. The Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour. I won't even guess. I don't have a clue. But I know it's coming. I know it's coming. And next week when we start in verse eight, chapter 8, you don't want to be part of that. God has sent His grace, and that is Jesus Christ. Accept His grace so that you will not have to experience His wrath. Let's pray. God, I come to you this morning. I thank you for your words and how powerful they are. God, I thank you for the day that is coming when your children will get to be with you in a perfect heaven where we won't have to have bad days anymore, dear Lord. We hate bad days. But God, we have to live here in some more bad days until you come. So I pray that you would give us strength. God, we know that you're not going to slip up on us. We see that in your word in 1 Thessalonians 5, that that day will not slip up on yours, but that we will be ready and we need to be ready. 
So help us to put on your full armor, dear Lord. Take up the sword of your word, the helmet of salvation. God, that whatever may come our way, that we'll be ready. God, I pray that if there is one in this room today that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that they would do so today. That they would accept your grace, dear Lord, so that they may escape your wrath. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them today, dear Lord. I pray that you would help your words to be understandable to us, dear Lord. We know that there is some heavy stuff, some scary stuff, some exciting stuff, and help us just to get it, dear Lord. Even if we don't understand every detail, help us to understand that this is a book about Jesus Christ and that he has been victorious and that there is grace and salvation through him. So God, I pray that no one would leave this room today without being covered by his blood and experiencing that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.